Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <clears throat> now that we have, uh, we, we're continuing with our study of the book of Judges, the Sefer Shoftim. We are up to chapter 6. We just completed the Song of Devorah. And as is the pattern of this book, and as we have been reading until now, uh, we, uh, the, we, every, every time we finish one of the cycles, we go to another cycle. And with story of one judge, we go to another judge. And the cycle is the same. The cycle is the people sink into idol worship, the people sink into uh, abandoning their relationship with God and, um, and becoming influenced by the uh, gods and immoral practices of the people surrounding them. And as they fall into these evil um, and immoral um, modes of behavior and way of living, they start becoming subservient and subjected to the oppression of one of the surrounding nations. <clears throat> and um, and uh, eventually the oppression gets really bad. The people cry out to God and eventually God has a leader, a judge come um, who, who leads the people and helps them uh, defeat their enemies and become uh, um, independent again. Uh, renewing the relationship with God and then the cycle continues and then people sink back into sin. So this is the cycle that we're reading. So now Devorah was an, an inspiring leader by all counts, a prophetess, one who did bring the people, at least for her time, back to worship of God and we read her beautiful song uh, in chapter 5. The upcoming leaders <clears throat> don't exactly exhibit um, perfect behavior and, and each one is a flawed character some more flawed than others but each one is portrayed as having some characteristics which brought him to be a leader um, I say him because uh, the, there are some hers which we just had Devorah and Yael who are, who are leaders but uh, from here on it's going to be men only um, and uh, and um, uh, you know, so let's we can, we can each one has something interesting to teach us both in terms of what their strengths were and in terms of what their weaknesses were. So, chapter six: And the people of Israel did bad in the eyes of God. God put them under the hand of the Midianites for seven years. So. Here, this is not necessarily a new enemy. It's an enemy that the people had been encountering on and off for a while. But um, this now the Midianites become ascendant and they are the top dog in this time. And they are oppressing the people of Israel. And the hand of Midian became very strong. And the Oz is a language that connotes arrogance and on haughtiness over the people of Israel. So they were, they were not just, um, it wasn't just a physical oppression, it was a psychological oppression, almost like a, a racial thing, like we're better than you kind of thing, and you guys are a bunch of nobodies. So because of Midian, the people of Israel 
made for themselves at Hamin Harot Asher Biharim, the the tunnels and the caves that are in the mountains. So they literally had to create hiding places for themselves in order to stay away from the Midianites who were oppressing them. Yet Hamitarot, Yet Hamitzadot. Uh, Minharot are tunnels, Mitarot are caves, Mitzadot are are strong are um, are like uh, fortresses. They would build for themselves uh, uh, places where they can hide behind uh, walls and caves, etc. And if the people of Israel would attempt to plant their fields, Midyan, and then Midyan leading a, a, a collection of other troublemakers, the Amalek, the Amalekites who are going to pop up uh, from here. Uh, they've been around for a while, constantly harassing the people, Uvnei um, Kedem, uh, and uh, the people of Kedem, which is the people of some, some eastern uh, uh, tribes, uh, would, they would come upon them. They would raid the, raid the farms, and take their their um, their produce. So basically, these are marauders that would uh, come and, and pillage the farms of, of the people that were defenseless and just farmers. By they would camp upon them. By and they would ruin and destroy the produce that they were trying to grow. Ad Aza, all the way until until you get all the way to Aza. So they were. They were, they, were, they were harassing the people throughout the entire land all the way to the south um, western corner of it, which means the entire land. And there was, they, wouldn't, they, they didn't even leave any food in Israel. And they would take away their sheep and their oxen and their donkeys. So they would take away everything they needed to, to have a livelihood. They would come up with their... With their uh, um, with their flocks, uh, would come up upon the people of Israel Yahalem and their tents. Arbed Larov, like locusts, they would come and, and uh, so many of them. Vilahem Vilig Mispar, and there were innumerable numbers of these raiders and Midianites and the Amalekites and so on, and their camels. They, you couldn't even count, there were so many. And they would come to the land for one tent purpose, which was to destroy the land, take whatever booty and bounty they could, and then leave it destroyed by Yidal Yisrael Ma'od Mepnei Midian and Israel was impoverished terribly because of the Midianites by Yizaku Bnei Yisrael Adonai and the people of Israel cried out to God now um, the people are crying out to God but remember this all started because the people were being bad to God they had abandoned him and therefore God abandoned them to the uh, marauders so, this is verse 7. And it was when the people of Israel cried out to God because of what was going on with the Midianites, God sent them the answer. This is what the deal is, guys. This is what's going on. God sent a person who was a prophet to the people of Israel. Now, this person is not named. Uh, famously, the rabbinic tradition has it that this person was Pinchas, the son of Aaron. I'm mentioning this because uh, we, uh, it's important to, uh, to know what the rabbinic tradition is here. Obviously, Pinchas would have been an extremely old person by this time, well into the hundreds of years. Um, so it's hard to know if the Chazal really mean that it actually was Pinchas. 
although those that are familiar with rabbinic literature know that Pinchas seems to pop up in rabbinic literature as, as the anonymous person that seems to pop up all over the place. Um, so it might not actually mean Pinchas himself interpreting what the rabbis are saying, but um, it might mean a personage um, uh, of the stature like Pinchas or something. But either way, the, the verse itself and I'm letting the prophets speak here, so I'm letting the book of Judges speak for itself, does not identify who this prophet is for reasons which are unclear. So this prophet goes without a name. We just know that he was a man. Vayomer lohem, and he said to the people, Ko amar Adonai Eloi Yisrael, so says God the Lord of Israel, Anochi he'eleti etchem mitraim. I have taken you out of Egypt, v'otzi etchem mibeit avadim. I took you out of servitude, I took you out of the house of bondage, of servitude, of slavery. So God is saying, I have done that before, I have rescued you, right? I saved you from the Egyptians and from all of those that have oppressed you. Remember, we've read stories uh, uh, until now of several, of Sisra and Yavin uh, that God saved the people from. And uh, so we read several stories, uh, um, but and I got rid of them from before you, your enemies. And I gave you this land. I gave you the land that used to be theirs. I made it yours. But I also told you a message. And I told you, I am the Lord your God. Do not be in awe of the gods of the Amorites. That you are now living in their land. Note God when God refer, when when the people are bad and following the gods of the Amorites, God calls this land Artsam, their land. and you have not listened to my voice. So this prophet delivers this message to the people that the way to not be subservient to those people is to not be subservient to their gods and their ways. If you stand up proudly like Devorah did. Like Devorah said so many times, there was no one fighting for the people when the people had that pride in their special relationship with God and, and stopped the immoral ways of the surrounding nations. But when you, when you make yourself subservient to their ways and their gods, that's when you lose your independence and that's when you lose what makes you special and that's when you end up being oppressed. So the message is again repeated by a prophet. Now, <clears throat> in this context, this message is delivered to the people, and this is stated to us right before we are introduced to the next savior of Israel, a man who we're going to learn about in a, very shortly and be reading about for the next few uh, chapters. Name is Gidon. <clears throat> now, one would think that this prophet should have been enough to tell the people, listen, the way, the path towards getting rid of your oppressors is the path back towards God, is the path back towards being proud of and, and, and of who you are and what makes you special and not being influenced by the immoral ways of your surroundings. But apparently this message didn't really get through this pro although the prophet stated this message presumably this message was communicated to the people it didn't seem to get through because let's look carefully at the following encounter i'm about to read verse 11 
and an angel of God, a messenger of God came. Now it's, it's conspicuously mentions that this person, this being was a malach, an angel. Um, <clears throat> now um, as opposed to a few verses ago where there was an ish navi, a man who was a prophet. So it conspicuously refers to the first person that came before as a man, a human being, right? Who happened to be a prophet, similar to other prophets that we've encountered before. Um, but this being was a malach, an angel. Um, apparently, so what appeared to uh, uh, the Gidon, who, were, uh, who, who was the one who we're about to read, sees this malach, sees this malach is, is, a, is a malach an angel of God exactly what Gidon saw is not made clear it may or may not have been in the form of a human being but it was an angel of God appears and this angel sat underneath an ela which is a type of tree sometimes often translated as a terebinth Asher bi Afra, which is in a place called Afra. And this Ela was owned by a man, this, the tree, the field within which this tree was, was, was owned by a man, Asher li Yoash, a man by the name of Yoash, Avi Ezri, who was the father of the Ezri. Uh, of Ezri. In other words, um, um, he was the head of the Ezrite clan. Um, <clears throat> The Gidon Beno and his son Gidon, so this man Yoash had a son by the name of Gidon. And we're introduced to Gidon as he was Chovet Chitim Bagat. He was um, <coughs> uh, uh, beating out or whacking out his wheat in a gat, in a wine press, which is an unusual place to be Chovet Chitim, which is the process by which the kernels are separated from the stalks. Usually that's done in a in a um, in a, a, a field dedicated to doing that for the wheat, but the problem is that's usually done outdoors, in an open place. And when is one is chovet chitim, and one is afraid of marauding bands of people who are going to forcibly come and take your produce away, one has to hide, and one has to do it in a in a place where he won't be seen. So he's doing it inside a wine press, which is indoors, and um, and hidden. So he has to do his work in the wrong place in order to avoid. And the reason for this was, uh, the, like I just said, Lahanis Midyan, in order to keep it uh, protected from the Midianites who would, who would come and steal it if they saw him doing this. So here you have, we're introduced to someone who's a simple person who's, who is reduced to taking his own father, you know, in this case his own family's produce, and hiding it and try and getting it ready to to um, be consumable um, out of the eyes of the marauders. It's a very humble picture, a simple picture, and a, a sad picture. And the angel of God appeared to him. Again, I'm emphasizing that it ex- explicitly and clearly does not. Um, um, uh, mention how this malach appeared. What did he look like? Or she looked like? Who knows? It's just a malach. An angel of God. So some sort of apparition. Some sort of appearance appeared to him. Vayomer love, 
And this appearance said to him, Adonai Imcha, God is with you, Gibor Hechoyel, you powerful, strong, valiant man. Now this is incredible because this angel is speaking to Gidon who is in the most humble of humble possible situations. He can't even beat his own wheat in his own field. And he's like hiding. He's hiding in the middle, doing a very menial, uh, manual task. He's doing the farthest thing from a gibor hachoyel, a powerful warrior. And meanwhile, this angel calls Gidon and says, calls him a powerful warrior. This, I, I just want to stop here for a minute and emphasize how this, this image, this idea of someone like this being called a powerful warrior helps us understand how God looks at people who are on the lower rungs and edges of society. Imagine finding someone, a, a, a street sweeper, a, 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 a garbage collector, someone who's performing a manual labor uh, a task, someone who's often abused because of the position that he or she has doing the tasks that they're doing that are so simple and so, so basic. But in God's eyes, struggling under circumstances to support one's family, struggling one cir under one's circumstances, doing a humble, sometimes, sometimes humiliating task, but struggling through it and doing it to God, that person is a gibor hechoyil, is a powerful, valiant warrior. Imagine the warrior sitting on, on the horse with a big marble statue in the middle of a square, the valiant warrior with his sword coming out and his, or his rifle or whatever it is. But in God's mind, a person hiding in a wine press beating wheat in order to feed his family under circumstances where there's marauding bands coming after him, laughing at him, stepping on him, stomping on him, making fun of him. Remember, they were O's. They were arrogantly ruling over them, treating them like they were nobodies, racially um, uh, crushing them as, as the Midianites were treating the people of Israel as we defined before. That is a gibor hachoyel. Just take that notion and, and keep it in your mind. Vayomre love Gidon. And Gidon said to this angel of God, Be Adoni, please, my master. And here we hear the pain of Gidon. V'yesh Adonai Manu is God with us? Here Gidon is incredible. Listen to these words. Imanu with us. How many, a person in this situation still sees himself as part of us, as part of a nation. Is God with us? He, most people in situations like this have a hard enough time maintaining their own personal morale in their own personal small world trying to struggle and get by as an individual. But Gidon still sees himself as part of the suffering people of Israel. Imanu is God, but, but where is God really with us? So then why did all of this pain happen to us? Why does this, all this happen to us if God is with us? He's asking the question that we all ask ourselves when we look around and we see oppression of one group of people over another. Why is it that we're, that we're suffering this way if God is really with us? Where is all of God's miracles? Asher Siprulano Avoseinu that our forefathers told to us, Lamar saying as follows, that they were saying, isn't it true? Behold, God took us out of Egypt 
right? Where is this God? Where are all of these miracles? What happens? I don't see any of these miracles in these marauding bands of Midianites that are making us suffer, making us starve, making us hide barely just in order to make our food that we grew in our own fields. So Gideon continues, Now, now it's not Egypt time anymore. Now God has forsaken us. And he has put us into the hands of Midian. So here we see what the, the what mood Gidon was in and we can feel his pain as he talks. And he he asks the question that anyone in suffering asks, where is this God? Why is he not saving us? What is all, with the use of all of these grand stories about Egypt if he's not here with us now? Um um very powerful. You know, one would want the 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 the, the, the writers uh, of the book of Judges to tell us about how valiant Gideon was, how he maintained his faith in suffering. But what did Gideon do? He had this 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 feeling of abandonment by God, but he still worked and supported his family. He didn't give up. He still had faith. He still felt like he was part of the people. He still was a part of the people. He still had that humility, but he did not have that um, strong faith that Devorah had when she went and encountered the oppressors. They were also being oppressed. Also, people were also hiding from the roads and, 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 and getting shot at by arrows when they went to draw water. But Devorah said, let's get up and fight. Let's get up and defend ourselves and let's get up, most importantly, and rededicate ourselves to our God and our mission. But Gidon, all he was able to do was um, pound the wheat until, the, until this malach came. And God turned to him. Now, remember, God, when it says here God, it means obviously in the form of this angel speaking in the name of God. I want you to go with your strength. Again, He's telling what he's teaching Gidon is this strength that you have to support your family and to uh, uh, to hide and thresh wheat uh, um, in, in hiding in a wine press. This strength that you have, I want you to take it. It will be from you that you will save Israel from the hands of Midianites. I am now sending you as my messenger. At this point, what he's saying is, yes, I understand your problem, but now, because you have this strength, and again, he's calling Gidon a man of strength, and all we've seen until now was what appears to be weakness to the naked human eye. But when we look a little bit beyond that, we see a person that has strength, the strength that allows him to keep on going. I want you to take this strength, and with that strength, at Israel, I want you to save the entire Jewish people the entire people of Israel from the Midianites. At this point, Gideon doesn't seem to get the message. And we start to see a crack. We start to see a flaw in Gideon, which is going to eventually be um, his downfall. I'm, I'm laying the seed now so that in a few podcasts from now, when we read about um, later stages in Gidon's life, we're going to see that Gidon, at this point, and I'm going to say this frankly, Gidon should have said, okay, 
I am going to go and save the people of Israel. <clears throat> God himself through this angel appeared to me and told me, <clears throat> I can do it, I should do it. This is, reminds us, of course, of the more famous episode where Moshe, where Moses was, was encountered the burning bush, also where God appeared as some sort of apparition. There it was described that it was a, a burning bush. Here it's not described what the appearance of this angel was. But all we know that it explicitly was not an ish, because that was the contrast. The first prophecy was a man, and this is an apparition. I say this because <clears throat> I, I've seen in... In, in, in Christian interpretations of the Bible, and presumably it, it would, could only be in someone that reads the Bible in a language other than, than Hebrew, <clears throat> they seem to conflate these two uh, prophets. And you have God speaking in a form of a man. Now you can already think where they're going to take this. Um, and of course who they think appeared to Gidon here. But um, without mentioning that, uh, it, it, it's it's a bizarre interpretation which completely uh, smashes the um, the actual meaning of the words, which is deliberately described that this appearance of God was not an Ish Navi, but it was um, a Malach. It was appeared as an angel. But I, I, so that, that, so I just want to mention why I'm emphasizing this, but um, <clears throat> simply because there are those out there that seem to read this book and and try to use it for something that it was actually explicitly meant not to say. But anyway, Yisrael, I want you to save the people of Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Behold, I have sent you. So now, um, instead of doing that, um, Gidon does the following. And here's verse 15. And so Gidon said, Please, my Lord, How can I save the people of Israel? My my clan is among the people of Menashe, the Men, the tribe of Menashe, who Gidon was from. I'm like the lowliest clan. I'm like I'm not like even one of the big fancy clans, the strong powerful ones. We're like the poorest of them all. and I had so I'm the youngest in my father's family. So who am I? Reminding us of Moshe's initial uh, uh, <coughs> uh, declining to. Um, to uh, take God's mission to save the people from Egypt. Here we have Gidon saying, I'm a nobody. So we see his humility, which shines forth here. Vayomer, I love Adonai. And God said to him through this, through this angel, Ki the reason why you're going to have strength is because I, God, am going to be with you. Remember that. I, God, am going to be with you. Eheyeh, the actual term that God used when he was talking to Moshe at that time, telling Moshe our, uh, uh, that he can lead the people out of Egypt. And you will strike down the Midianites as if they were one man, like you strike down one man. In other words, in unity, you will just strike down the entire Midian. And then he said to him, and here we start to see a little bit more of that crack, that flaw that I was telling you about before. If only, I would please find favor in your eyes. Now, let me ask you something, Mr. Angel here. I want you to do some sort of a sign that it is you, meaning you, God, who are speaking to me through this, this vision here. Is this even real? I want to see some sort of a sign. Now, the fact that Gidon, and I'm going to say this very clear because I want everyone listening to think about this 
the fact that Gidon wants to have some sort of proof is going to be the seed of a flaw, of a problem later. Gidon is seeking a concrete proof. Now let's remind you that this is also similar to the story of Moshe. Moshe asked for a proof to show the people, right? And this is a, it's a very important contrast here. Moshe, when he talked to God and he said, I, I'm going to go in front of the people of Israel and they're going to tell me, who is this God? I need some sort of a sign. And then God gave him the, the staff and the snake sign and other signs to show the people some sort of a miraculous thing to say, oh, yes, Moshe is, 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 is messenger of the true God. But over here, it's different. There, Moshe didn't ask for proof that God was God and that Moshe accepted it. Gidon says, Asisa Leos, I need a sign that you're really with me. So Gidon has a flaw of, of, of faith, a flaw of faith. Here, God directly speaks to him. God directly says that if you're faithful to me, I will lead you against the Midianites. Devorah knew that message by herself. Devorah understood that if we rededicate ourselves, had Gidon listened to the prophet who appeared to the people before, he would have gotten the message and known right away that all I need to do is dedicate myself to God. I don't need a miracle. I don't need a sign. But nonetheless, Gidon asks for a sign. And take that, hold that thought, and remember it for some later podcasts as we get near to the end of the Gidon story. That I would need to see a sign that you, it is actually you, God speaking to me. I'll not Don't leave this spot, Gidon tells the angel. Until I come back. I'm going to bring out my gift, my present. I will praise it in front of you. Now remember, this also harkens back, and this, these are deliberate reminders. The language, the Hebrew language here is careful to give us um, hints to tell us which stories that preceded this to look back at that we can compare and contrast it to. Before it dropped language and hints to the story of Moshe, now it's dropping language and hints to another story of angels where it used that same term malach, right? Angels that appeared to someone, to Abraham, the three angels that came to tell him that he was going to have a son Yitzchak and that he was going to be the father of the, of the people of Israel. Then... Um, Abraham also did the same thing. He went and he got food and offerings to bring to them. I will place it in front of you. And the angel answered, I will stay here until you get back. He went and he went and he made a, a uh, uh, he prepared for them a goat to eat and he baked uh, a, a flour, a uh, matzot, um, uh, the, the, no, the, the, the food that we eat on Passover, so which to which the rabbinic tradition is that he, um, it was Passover, which again the story of Abraham occurred also. There was matzot. Also, tradition had it, it occurred on Passover. Habasar basal. He put the meat that he had cooked in a basket, vihamarak, and the broth that was cooked, the meat in the soup, somba poror. He put it into a a um, a, some another kind of vessel and he brought it out to the angel who was still waiting underneath at the terebinth tree and he presented it to him exactly what Gidon expected is unclear but he brought him this offering in the same way that Abraham brought the offering to his guests and the angel of God said to him take the meat and the matzot and place it on this rock 
and pour out the broth. Vayas came and he did exactly as instructed. And the angel of God put out the um, <coughs> staff, the rod that he was holding in his hand. So whatever this appearance looked like, it had a hand. And he touched the meat and the matzot. And suddenly fire came out of the rock. This, this idea of a fire coming out of the rock reminds us of the story of Elijah, which we're going to read in a later book, uh, and the Mount Carmel, where fire came out of nowhere. This fire coming out of nowhere is an image that comes uh, several times, um, and this is one of them. It also reminds us, again, of the fire of the bush. And the fire consumed the, 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 the offering the meat and the matzot and the angel of God then left so I'm going to complete my reading now um, uh, uh, with the with the next um, actually I think this is a good stopping point it is in the middle of a story but this is a long chapter and needs to be broken up I want you to to think about the things that we saw the incredible qualities that made Gidon, the humble qualities that made Gidon uh, uh, be the one who was going to rescue the people, and also the flaw that he had, that he needed to see a sign, that he needed to see a sign for himself in order to believe this mission that he should have known, that he should have known simply by listening to the, to the prophet who had been sent to him earlier. Thank you so much for studying Judges 6a together. Looking forward to studying Judges 6b and continuing to read this very interesting story of Gidon and how he saved the people, his greatnesses and his flaws. Have a wonderful day.